Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yes, yes, welcome to the Tim McKernan Show. Timothy, Michael McKernan, Action Jackson with you on the program. Thanks to James Carlton, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling Online at DesignAirService.com. And Munganas, St. Louis Acura. And Munganas, Burkhardt, Alton, Toyota for sponsoring the podcast. Timothy, Michael McKernan, Action Jackson with you on a podcast that welcomes you to get involved anytime you would like. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Uh, Jackson, a glut of erotic stories back in August and now a dry spell as we enter fall time. Yeah, it's a real shame is what it is, Tim. It's a real shame because now is, I guess it's cuffing season. Are you are you apt to get in a relationship at this time of year? Yeah. Are you really? Like, are you truly, like, looking for a relationship because it is now colder? Not because of it being colder. I just want that in my life. My God. That's told my I, wife this weekend. We talk about your personal life. That's what we do. That's, that's all nice. we've got now. That's all we've got after <laughs> 15 years. It's a, it's a bustling topic. Absolutely. And I said, I think Jackson will be married within three years. Actually, I was talking about the housing market. And I said, a guy like Jackson is probably in a spot. I don't know. You know, St. Louis, you never know what people's situations are. I know you uh, probably bore witness to that firsthand where all of a sudden somebody has money. Mm. And you go, oh. Well, there's a lot of money passed along from generations to generations. Oh, yeah. I think the TikTok kids call it old money. But uh, that your generation will have a very difficult time getting a home if you want one. Oh, yeah. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. And, yes. and I said, and then Jackson, who I bet will be married within three years, that could be a spot, you yeah. know? Yeah. I was actually my buddy. Who I was up Herb. In, no. My buddy Mark works in real estate. And he was telling me, he's like, it's such a quagmire because not only are, you know, um, mortgage rates and are so high and it's really tough and prices are crazy, but as soon as the house goes in the market, it's snatched up yeah. immediately. So it's like not only is, you know, the demand so high, but the inventory is so low and it's and it's crazy. So he's like, yeah, it's a, it's a tough spot right now. But he's like, you know, he... Ebbs and flows. Tim. Everything's cyclical. That's my dad always say. Everything's cyclical. Ebbs oh, and flows. I've seen this shit before. Everything's cyclical. Always live like it's a recession. Tim Senior says. It's a good. It's a good way to live. That's what he. Uh, that's what he says. Uh, I like this question here. Although I've read it a couple of times, and I really don't know how I'm going to answer it. And then I know you can't speak to it, but it comes from a good place. And I will. I shall read it. And we'll see what we do with it. Cool. I went back to the TMA fan page. Haven't done that in a while. Uh, do you recognize the images that I posted in the QFTA suggestion file? The secondary photo I do, that was the gentleman who uh, from Ole Miss who ran onto the field and was surprised when a 275-pound defensive lineman was not pleased with him calling him a pussy to his face. <laughs> Oh, yeah. God. That's a world-class image. Too. God, I, I can't get enough of it. It's really and Not funny. only is the image wonderful, it, it to me is like, I'm thinking about starting a religion. I feel like, you, you know, might as well. Uh, and uh, <laughs> It's a new development, but I'm in for it. And in my religion, this might be like our symbol. Yeah, your icon. This guy, because this guy represents so much for me at this moment. Yeah. Here is... Somebody at Ole Miss. Right. Tim is making a motion. I am, and I'm pausing, running on the football field, thinking he's invincible, and then runs up to somebody, calls him a pussy, and then is shocked. (laughs) (laughs) 
when there's retribution for the action. Yeah, yeah, he that really does. As a student at Ole Miss, running on the football field after a hotty toddy, good God Almighty win, and then running up to an LSU defensive player and taunting him and calling him a pussy, and then captures it, and then then tries to frame the LSU player who belonged on the field, Indeed. who was just called a pussy uh-huh. as the bad guy because he said something back to him. And then some people go along with it. That is my religion. And those of you who understand what I'm saying, come follow me. We'll walk around South St. Louis together. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait to see that. Yep. And I'm going to walk across the lily pond at Francis Park. I have, hey, I'll... I'll be there. Yeah, and you can document that. Absolutely. And then we'll have this symbol in a little building. No taxes. Be great. Yeah. And uh, this guy will be the symbol of our religion. That's your golden parachute. That's my, go- <laughs> that's my golden parachute. Yeah. But in the uh, thread, which included Angel Youngs, right. who it doesn't seem like you're familiar with, and I actually believe you, Doug wouldn't be familiar with her. I don't think. I think the only person who may be familiar with her would be Iggy on TMA, actually, now that I think about it. I'm not even sure he would be because she's kind of, you know, young. <laughs> Yeah, quite literally. Yeah, don't know uh, her work, but she seemed beautiful. Sporting. Yeah, seems like it. Um, so uh, this this was the first question, too, that was posted. Two-part question. What surprised you most when you became a dad? I joined the dad club last year, and two things really caught me off guard uh, were how much I would be sick with the kid constantly full of germs and the extent of the postpartum recovery. I feel like all male Catholic school left me woefully unprepared for how much support a woman needs during that time, and I think us dudes should know more and talk about it more. Part two, best TV dad of all time. Well, the answer to that one, I think, is universal, and that's Conrad Bain, who played the role of Mr. Drummond Hmm. on different strokes, unless others would take the stance of George Papadopoulos, who was married to a woman whose name was Ma'am. Mm-hmm. On Webster with that cute little Emmanuel Lewis. And there seemed to be a theme of certain typecasting in the early 1980s. Uh, But, uh, Jackson, do you have a favorite television, Dad, before I talk about a topic that you know nothing about? Sure. Yeah, I'll spread my wings. Uh, I'm going to go a little off the beaten path. Some Mm. people not not think of, because in your vein, that's kind of like the sitcom, like formulaic sure 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 i'm gonna go jerry stiller as george costanza nice play it's a nice play jerry stiller is a legend may he rest in peace it's a nice play thank you um what surprised me so the the question is certainly focused on the postpartum recovery um i I want to answer it well, and it's tough because, you know, oftentimes when I see a question, I'm like, oh, that's the one that I will go with, and then we're going to go a bunch of different directions. It's tough because I know you can't speak to this experience at all. Um, what surprised me most, God, I'll hear something that I've said and I don't feel like is said enough. This is probably not necessarily what the uh, gentleman who posed the question was asking, but I do feel like... I don't know if I would say it's important to say. I just think it's something that a lot of men can relate to. Um, and that is the first six months kind of just suck if you're a guy. But I love and have loved in a major way, really. I mean, now my my younger son is, uh, he'll be 21 months in, uh, what do we got here, three days. Um and has a personality and hell throws a ball with me and runs around with a hockey stick and has been hitting a golf ball forever. So, and is just the happiest kid, my God. So I love that. But the infant stage, you're all, if you don't know and you haven't been a parent, you're thinking, okay, here we go. And then the reality is, and of course you can understand this just from a logic standpoint, that that child that everything was built up for that moment really doesn't need you. Mm. The child doesn't. The child needs mother more than his father, but the mother needs the father to be there for her more than the father. The father can certainly help out with changing diapers and so on, but in most cases you are, you are, you're not really in a role of a parent yet. Right. It's, um, and and it and it's no, and I don't enjoy it at all. 
I, I mean, now, there are a number of reasons why I am done and put out to pasture as far as uh, having another child. But uh, that part I did not enjoy, and I think that people, well, men, this is more for men, don't want to say that because it may come off the wrong way. But since I come off poorly regularly, I'm comfortable with taking another one here and saying that part I did not like, don't have any interest in reliving, wouldn't be anyway, but um, you need to be there for your wife. And I agree later in the thread, somebody pointed out, uh, an actual lady uh, said, I think it's a conversation among men, husbands and dads to have at a younger age for me, for example, with two boys, to make them aware of that part. I wasn't really aware of the importance of being there truly in a way, not from a postpartum depression standpoint. I don't think my wife dealt with that. Um, and I think she would say that as well. But uh, to just be there for my wife. I mean, you really, it is a time of that's all hands on deck. And it's like, oh, well, just because the babies are breastfeeding and she's at home, that doesn't mean you don't want to have a responsibility, but the responsibility will most likely be more towards your wife or if you have other children, helping out with the other children. Right. So from a parenting standpoint, I love that. Um, I love the opportunity to, to teach lessons, um, and I probably treat my son, you know, the six-year-old, more like a, a 12-year-old I don't. I obviously think it's the right thing to do. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. Um, I think I was sheltered from things that I don't think, for me personally, I want to shelter my kids from. Mm -hmm. I think it's personally healthy to uh, talk about things that I think other parents may not want to talk about. And I understand that. And I'm not saying I'm right and they're wrong. But for me, that's what I think um, is, is the right way to go about things. And I love the opportunity to have a conversation and explain things. Um, because I never want, nor have I said, I'd be really surprised if I ever do say now, since I'm six years in, because I said so. Because because I said so doesn't explain it. And even if... I recognize, for example, I have the news on. I mean, shit. Right. About this. I mean, you're talking, so my son is watching the news with me. People, oh my God, I can't believe you. What? Well, that's fine. Fine. Fortunately, I'm not your father, so you don't have to worry about it. Um, but there's a why are they at war talking about Israel? And yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I got to tell you, there are people who are older and incredibly more intelligent than your father who can't necessarily answer that question themselves right. effectively. And I said, honestly, I don't know. It's, they're fighting over their homes and where they can live. Mm -hmm. And it goes back thousands of years, and uh, it's, it's incredibly unfortunate. And it's part of humanity and has been well before we were around and will be around well before or after we're gone. But I, just, I don't want to say, well, it's just you'll understand when you're older. Because right. I don't understand right. necessarily per se. Right. So um, that kind of opportunity to, like last night, for the first time, and I, I was conscious, I was watching the Rangers and Astros game seven, because I live bet the over, which shipped. Nice. And, uh, and he said, well, how many outs do you get in an inning? Or how many strikes do you get? And I go, three. And how many outs do you get in any? I'm like, oh, we're actually we're talking baseball. Yeah. And then in my mind, I'm like, God, I was already at Cardinal game when I was five, kind of like excited about Lonnie Smith's inside the park home run. This motherfucker is behind. <laughs> but then I thought to myself, God, that means I was strange even back when I was five <laughs> because that I understood all of this stuff. And so he goes, well, I don't understand. I said, well, he, you know, and I, I kind of started doing play-by-play -play and explaining it. And we had a good five to ten minutes of that, and then he wandered off and, you know, started playing with Legos again. But uh, I, I just, I like the opportunity to explain and then answer questions. Yeah. Sounds cliche, but there is no such thing as a bad question. And I don't want my children personally to be sheltered from things and to think things that, 
things are wrong just because dogma says they're wrong. For example, curse words. Now, I will say, I told him this, I said, you know, I have no problem with the words. I don't get it. I think it's one of the strangest things that goes on in, I, I don't know if that goes on beyond the United States. I assume that it does, but I don't know if I certain words are, uh, you know, forbidden on broadcast. But uh, I said, here's the deal. You want to say these things, you know, just know that it's going to be a problem at school and other people don't say them. So it's words adults can say and can't. And then he goes, why can adults say it? And I go, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'm just telling you what the penalty will be if you say these words. Right, right. If you say them at school. Mm-hmm. Now, why these words have been empowered. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in awe. For example, going back to news coverage of the Israeli-Palestinian uh, I don't know what it's being called, war, conflict, whatever we have going on right now. And they can show images of of bodies. Oh, yeah. But if somebody yells out shit or fuck, they bleep that out. Right. Doesn't that just seem off the mark? It's like, <laughs> it's like the audiovisual embodiment of the quandary, right? Like, I you mean, know? what in the... I, I, but, but it's just, it, 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 you know, it doesn't like negatively impact my life it just strikes me as something that is so antiquated and outdated but it, it it's just one of those oh, you know he said fuck yeah right I, what happened say that. you notice any any notice anything happen but it's just like oh you can't say that word so i like to try to uh you know i don't i teach comes from a place of let i know but give my perspective and then answer questions, even if on the surface the questions are ridiculous. Well, I mean, he's six, and he was five, and he was four, and he was three. So I love that. Um, I don't know if I would say I'm surprised by that because it wasn't something that I was expecting one way or the other to like or dislike. I didn't think about it. You don't think about it until you have the situation. But I know that I love that. And, um, you know, my wife and I, it's just one of the things that comes with it. We, had it, we were told we weren't going to be able to have children. So one of the things that, that comes with not having children until, I guess, Jameson was born when I was 40. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't, you know, so, so it was it just, if we, if we could have, we would have had children earlier. It just isn't the way that it worked out. So um, I think I am better equipped to be a parent at my age now than I would have been if I were, say, around your age. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that's, 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 obvious but the other side of it would be you could if you were to have a child right now mm-hmm. you'd be able to be quote unquote done when you're 43 or 44 right. i mean holy shit yeah it's a lot of life left it is yeah. but um from a from being a better father standpoint i think i am for me personally because i think you are well wise and uh, conduct yourself um uh, more developed than I certainly did at 25 and I have more arrested development, but, uh, that it just, for me, it personally works out and I love it. I mean, there's just nothing, there's nothing else. I realize people can say it and then deep down, you know what the fuck's going on, but there's just nothing in my life where I would, I would risk my children's, you know, I'm basically, I'm talking about fucking somebody else. Uh, like, oh, that, that, like that would be, it's just not even like a sweat. So it like takes it off the table. Right. Um, and I'm not sitting here judging those who do have side pieces and affairs and whatever, and potentially break up families. Cause you know, fuck, I was a terrible fucking first husband and, uh, you know, I've been a shitty significant other, uh, you know, before getting married a, a second time. Um, but again, life experience teaches you these things. And, uh, you know, we were talking about, what were we ta- I know we were talking, Doug Von Nirvana. Mm-hmm. And I said, you are dangerous because at 25, you already have kind of gotten to see me and Doug handle the stuff. Right. And then also gotten the hell that comes with being on TMA and Balloon Party, which is a totally different kind of it. And you, I can't tell you not to care. You have to, like, live it right. to get to a point where you go, okay, whatever. I don't really care what you say you know it comes with experience and so that's how i view being a parent i couldn't have been this kind of parent 
at 27, not because a 27-year-old is incapable, because of me as a 27-year-old, I was not mature enough. Right, right. I heard you saying it's case by case and it's right. person by person. Yeah, that's just how it works. I don't think like currently. I have, I know I'm not ready for that responsibility. I as I'm not mature enough. I'm not in a spot where I would want to be, but I know I'm not ready for it. But I know one day I do really want to have children. Mm-hmm. It's something that I really look forward to. Do you have an idea of how many children you would like? Two. Two, it seems, you know, man-to-man defense, uh, preferably. Um, but open to more, open to less. I, just, I, I know that that's something I, I want to have in my life is, is to have children. Not only because I've, you know, I, I hold my parents in such esteem. And, like, it's almost like I, I have this itch to pay it forward. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because they're... I know how important they are to me in my development and how important they still are to me. And I would love the opportunity to pay that forward because, you know, I feel like uh, not my responsibility by any means, but like something that would be really fulfilling for me. Yeah. And, uh, and continue on the family, man. It's all really, – and I see my brother who has two children and how much he loves them and how much I love his two children. And uh, it's really cool, you know. And I hear you talk about how much you – like it could just the second you see your children uh, when you get home, no matter how your day was. Yeah, it's like a drug. Yeah, and that's something. It's an automatic pick me up. Right. And something that, that surprised me. That's yeah. something. Speaking yeah. of surprising, yeah. you don't know that. I suppose you, like, I know my dad has told a couple of stories about, he loves telling this story about uh, he came home and my brother Danny uh, was waiting for him and said, I got good news and I got bad news. Uh, and my dad goes, well, what's the good news? I, I don't know what the hell the good news was. I, you know, got, I don't know, I learned to catch a ball or something. Mm-hmm. What's the bad news? I just crapped my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And as a, as a parent, I remember he would tell that story and I'd go, eh, I mean, amusing, but I mean, that's what kids do. And now as a parent, you kind of like, now that you live like this, thing where you'll hear stories that are just asinine but you see the enthusiasm in your children for it and as they learn things you know walking and like you know my one-year-old throwing a ball hitting a golf ball now he's sees his brother playing hockey so now he grabs a hockey puck and stick and runs around and see the two of them interacting which is something you don't think of until you see it Mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 the absolute best i also think and I, 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 I know I've heard it, but I don't know how often I've heard it. I think it makes you, it's because it's subjective what a better person is. So I don't know if a better person is fair, but more, I think it makes you more empathetic sure. um, to understanding that everybody is dealing with a situation and you don't know what the situation is. And so it's best to just kind of just go about your day and, you know. I don't know. There's probably a direct correlation to me withdrawing from social media <laughs> to becoming a father. Not necessarily when my son was born, because I spoke to the first however many months of kind of just being like, okay, you know, eat, sleep. But uh, just going, okay, yeah, I'm not going to spend time arguing with strangers. And also, in parentheses, oftentimes, if somebody's sitting there like taking shots, most of the time it's not somebody I really would like interact with in person anyway so why would i take time away from my wife and my son and now two sons to do that so it you know it kind of it kind of clarifies and puts you on point more um i certainly am not like man i wish i didn't have children so i could argue with strangers on (laughs) social media you know what i mean and so also i think it just makes you more of uh empathetic person I think, but I don't think, again, it's not something that you can tell. I mean, I can tell you this, but until you live it, you know, just like you, like, I I, I don't know what it's like to be a Jewish kid, you know, and growing up in St. Louis, I have no fucking idea. You can tell me all day long. I have no idea. You know what it's like to be a Catholic kid growing up in St. Louis, even though it seems like everybody's a Catholic kid growing up in St. Louis. So, uh... It's a value perspective. Yeah. So you just understand that people have different experiences, and you, and I value hearing your experience, like your your perspective on what's going on in the Middle East. 
uh, you certainly are going to see it through a different lens than I do. Mm-hmm. But I, not because you're different makes it wrong. I'm just intrigued to hear your perspective. Right. And I think that is what often I think is, is missed sometimes in people. Like, I think people are more quick to impart judgment than they are to listen to others' perspectives. And I think once you get a, a, a good view of others' perspectives, it can kind of shape how you think about things, not only in that particular situation, but going forward. And so much of it is is learning about other people's perspective. And, and I, I keep going back to it, but I truly think it's such a valuable life lesson. And Ted Lasso is that be curious and not judgmental. And, you know, I so in, in my case, I am not a, a parent. And so in this situation, I am solely curious. I cannot be judgmental mm-hmm. because I have not walked a mile in those shoes. And so often people are just so quick to judgment way before they're quick for curiosity. I just think the world would be a better place if we were more quick to curiosity. Yeah, I would agree. I wonder what the root of that is. I do think there's some semblance. It's called tribalism, but I think that comes with a negative connotation that it does that, that, that makes it look like it's, it's, it's wrong. Who do I hang around with? People with similar likes mm-hmm. and senses of humor. Well, mm-hmm. then, therefore, well, there's a good chance that we come from a similar background. Right. But that it, it's only, to me, a negative if I then discriminate against those or don't hire or treat poorly those who don't come from. But if I want to hang around with those people, I don't think that makes one a bad person. You, do you follow me? Do you oh, agree yeah. with that? Do you, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, it's, it, that's just human nature. Right, sense. right, exactly. Um, but I love getting a perspective from somebody who, you know, when we were starting up, I don't remember which one it was. I think it was 920. I looked at the line. Oh, I couldn't have been 920 because we had Brian Burwell on 920. Probably 590, I guess, in, in 2016. And I was looking at the lineup, and I'm like, well, this doesn't mean we, this needs to be the United Nations. But I think it's healthy not just to, like, force people into spots because they are a certain race mm-hmm. or their gender or whatever the case might be, but to try to cultivate and go out of my way to cultivate talent with a diverse background, not giving jobs to, but giving opportunity to on the weekends, nights, uh, early mornings, whatever the case may be. So it's in the farm system. And then that way they can develop. And then when there is an opportunity in the main lineup, we have a farm system. Right. And uh, I recall talking to Mike Claiborne, for example, and, and trying to find people um, from the black community uh, to to be in, involved. Again, not just giving jobs because someone is black or giving a job because somebody is a woman, but going, okay, I mean, I'm looking at this and, you know, if, if you're talking about a situation in St. Louis and all of us are from South St. Louis, we're going to view it one way. Right, right. And I think it's healthy to hear the other perspective. And so I think that that in a way comes with becoming a parent is that you become more empathetic. You also... Again, I don't like to say what's important because what's important is subjective, but it, what is more, um, I want to say selfless, but less selfish. Sure. And you sympathize. Like, when, for example, when I would fly before I had a child and you had a kid screaming, I'm like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Uh-huh. Well, now that I'm a parent, I'm like, yeah, whatever, I understand. Right. And on top of it, it's not necessarily because you're a just letting it go. Kids don't know how to pop their ears. And when there's pressure and the pressure increases from whatever landing, I guess it's a motherfucker for, for baby. I don't know how to do that. And it's, they aren't going to, a lot of them are going to scream. So now you understand that as opposed to going, Oh, this was a shitty parent, you know, right. it's just one of those things. I guess it makes you more patient. Yep. I can um, imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of the, it's just one of those things. I certainly don't, I'm a wonderful person. Look at me as a beacon of morality and, character just saying you just kind of understand things differently and i think most people certainly experience becoming a parent at a younger age than i did in particular in st louis um but that was just the way that things worked out for my wife and myself um but at the same time i don't think if i would have had a child even at 30 i don't think i would have been not ready for it because i don't know if you're ever ready for it because how can you be ready for something that you don't know what it is but um, perhaps wanting the experience. Yeah. And if you want the experience, which is certainly something we did, uh, then it makes you apt to be more uh, adjustable sure. to the sacrifices, of course, that come with it. But if you love doing something 
it's not a sacrifice. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I totally hear that. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Uh, I don't really, I have a bunch of other questions, Jackson. We got a bunch, but honestly, I don't really want to go into them. Mm. I mean, I just don't. They're, they're, they're good. And a lot of them are good questions. They're kind of sports and, and that one was kind of the one that got me going. So I don't know. I, and I, honestly, I deleted them actually. I can <laughs> go back into the, let's see what we got. Here you go. Let's see. I don't know, Jackson. This one's about Missouri and the college football playoff going to 12 teams. This one's about Catholic education versus public education. This one is about the Michigan cheating thing. This one is about the origin of Bill, a nice whole Bill. <laughs> I, 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 I like vaguely remember that. <laughs> I remember listening to the show, and I thought it was the funniest fucking thing of my life. As a freshman in college before a Gulf Coast, and Doug said that's a nice hole, Bill, and I damn pissed myself. I really thought it was the funniest fucking thing of my life. I really time. don't know. I feel like I'm the one who brought Bill in. It sounds like something you would. Right. Like, but then Doug did that. It's a nice hole, Bill. Yeah, and then that it took off from there. Yeah. It's, Bill is certainly something that you would bring up. But And then Dodum and his father-in-law. Bill. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it took off from there, and it works so, I literally, I can't hear someone's name being named Bill and not think of TMA. Like, it's <laughs> fucked up. Because I have people I know named Bill, oh, and God. it's unfortunate are, for them. What are the chances that uh, that I've got at 10-11 and at 9-52, two separate emails asking about Jermaine Stewart being the opening show? Jermaine Stewart of We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off yeah. fame, I believe. I'm going to say 1987, Jackson. To get me 86 and 88, I'm a little nervous about 85, but I feel like 86, 87, 88 is going to get me home, and that's where I am. That's my answer, final answer. We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off by Jermaine Stewart. Came out Please. in the year of our award. Uh, Genius is trying to give me the information Please. on it, and it's, I'm just Please. really just fucking butchering this. Please. Uh, we don't have to take our clothes off. Sorry, I'm sorry. I no, I'm you. just going, oh, I went to Genius too, so that means I'm doomed. Yeah, no, Genius is not. Uh, 1986, Tim. I love Genius, by the way, just a brief aside. Nothing wrong with having a brief aside. Yeah, I like Genius. The origin of that song, I don't, the overall theme behind why the song, what is the most asinine song, both the name and the sound of it, to counter the metal riffs of the 40-something, out-of-shape <laughs> guy who probably at best played high school sports who is now going to tell you how it is and just motherfuck a bunch of professional athletes and coaches and tell you they're the only one who has the balls in this town to really... Give them the what's what and the who's who. Uh, that is essentially what it is, and that is that that goes on in obviously Philadelphia, all the way to L.A. and 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 all points in between. It's just kind of the thing. And I knew, I guess, inadvertently. It's not like this was a plan. I knew that I wanted to bring a show that was appealing to younger people because it just struck me. I still think this. It's why one of the reasons why I I love what. City has done, and I did expect this. I didn't expect it to be at the, the, the level it's been. But I feel like St. Louis is oftentimes gears toward older people. And I and it's still going on, and now I'm on the older side of it. But I was saying this when I was younger than you. Mm. And I, for the life of me, I'm just like, why do we not only usually keep our best and brightest, they move to Chicago or take your pick of wherever else, but then on top of it, we don't really have content and that wasn't the word back in 2002 but it's like this is all geared for like 
just like old. Fuck. And listen, hey, there's nothing wrong with having that, but just from a business standpoint, doesn't it make sense to have something that isn't that so then you can tap into um, a market? Yeah. And and so I guess TMA still is, has a younger audience. Certainly the audience ages with the show, but younger people pick up on it. It's still going on. Oh, yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know why that is. The show gets labeled as like the porn show, which is whatever. It's fine. Great. Throw it around if you want. If you want to like discredit me or whomever on the show by saying that, it's wonderful at this point. But um, that was that was probably inadvertent by the cat Martin and myself from filling in for Frank Cusimano when we started the show. His show was the, the press box, so we jokingly called it. Well, we weren't joking. I'm sure one of his listeners was pissed off at the show and then tried to insult it by calling it the sandbox. Right. And so then we went with that, and then the guys who were buying KFNS from Atlanta heard the show and go, that's going to be our morning show. And so they hired us, and that's how that all played out. And 1380, which was being bought at that time by Simmons Media, wanted to hire us as well. So we weren't even a real show. It was just three guys screwing around. Martin probably in his, I guess, late 30s, early 40s, I would guess. I don't know. That would make sense. Probably late 30s. I guess is a little older than Martin, I think. I don't know how old the cat is. Um, and I was 2004, so I was 27. Um, when we started the show, and then producer Joe's a couple years younger than me when he came up a, a few weeks at when we started the show. And initially it was really poorly received because it was so different. And in St. Louis, oftentimes, Jackson, brace yourself, change is not necessarily welcomed in this market. Hmm. Yeah pushback against that one yeah ponder that and then prepare for your pushback so then those people went away and then we we began to get the audience but the plan was and i don't want to say plan it's just like yeah whatever this stuff is there's a market for it. not saying it's bad it's just not what we want to do and so we don't have to take our clothes off i believe i mean i would love to be be, be present right now in like a time warp to hear how that came to be the song <laughs> right but i know the mindset was let's play something ridiculous yeah, it's like a juxtaposition 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 it's a tough nice. word it, it is, is. It's, a it's a good word if you can get it though it's a good word if you can get it big time mm. yeah mm. and to i've often thought that a really funny sitcom premise is like a sports radio station oh i want the larry sanders show for sports That's radio right. i can write it right now yeah, like and one of my longtime advisors has said, he goes, the, he goes, you're leaving money on the table. He goes, your exit is writing an autobiography, you know, because he lived it and he couldn't believe it because he's, you know, handling l much larger transactions. And I would call him with the situation. And he goes, man, I've never heard shit like this. <laughs> he goes, I just don't understand. And I go, I can't, I can't keep going. I can't keep going. He goes, hey. You're the one that has to live it. It's all about your pain tolerance, you know. Talking about, like, leaving or right, just right. going, oh, that's enough. Uh, because it was so crazy. But he goes, boy, someday when you write a book, that's this will all pay off. Yeah. So um, what were you saying? I cut it, you it, off. I apologize. It's all like a, a sitcom that's kind of, you know, Larry Sanders. Larry Sanders, ass, yeah. Ballers, except on a sports entourage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, it'd be perfect. You know. Because you because the, to me, what kind of makes TMA unique is the lack of self-awareness mm. of those participating right. and then doug's hyper awareness that's the perfect, you know what i mean the perfect counter balance. right and i include myself in the lack of self-awareness category but i don't know if i would call it lack of self-awareness i think i probably have hyper awareness but then i don't i don't want to say i don't care because i think oftentimes when people say they don't care they really do care but um I recognize what the perception is of me by a portion of St. Louis who is aware of my existence, which isn't a large one, but, and so then I kind of play into it, like with the private school thing and mm -hmm. the pervert thing and, right. the, you know, like I'm getting turned on talking about two women who may be attracted to each other, whatever the fuck it is, because then they go, oh God, I can't believe he's talking like that. But at this point, in order to be listening to this show and hating it, I mean, you really have to be on a kamikaze mission of... Yeah. Of yeah. self-destruction. Yeah, there's no what other kind of kamikaze it. mission is there? Yeah, yeah. Think about it. Hashtag. So, yeah, I mean, you have to, whereas if we were to just all of a sudden pop up on another station with a wide, like we did with Balloon Party. Right. And they go, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, I totally get it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that lack of self-awareness would be the key. That would be the driver of the show. Yes, with like the because then the audience recognize. Like Hank Kingsley was to me the lack of self-awareness guy in Larry Sanders' show. Right. And then I mean I can go through the whole Larry Sanders plot, but I'm like God. I mean I've got all these characters because I lived them. I didn't write them. It's not creativity. It's essentially just documenting it. Right. Everybody. Every I mean everybody. Everybody is a character in the in the story. Oh yeah. Like ev- there isn't like you and Seymour to me are like the most normal ones. Well, that's what you use use like a but then you're the foils or a new producer as the avatar for the audience, the right, person right. that the audience then right. relates with, so that they can be like so new and blue to this, and it's like what the fuck in the issues with management versus talent oh, and talent versus athlete. Like there's so much. That and then like kind of like how it worked with the Sopranos. Every year there was kind of a new, right? You know challenge for tony so to speak right a new foil right yeah we have we have a bunch of them oh i see there's there's literally too much like, there yeah i mean you it have really composition is. characters because you have too many people yeah. to pull from and it'd be just hilarious i mean it's you know it, it is it is true and i i think at this i think at this point people believe us i i mean i don't know why you know this would be a long game of just <laughs> making shit up yeah. this really really meanwhile here and i'm not coming like hubbard is the, the end all be all it's certainly much better than we but there's there really wouldn't be characters you know i mean because everybody's just kind of professional and has yeah this with this personal lives you couldn't do it from here no no you, you know? need that you need the the real you need the right. real i mean you spot. have to have like this you know so in that way if indeed I do, and I'm not doing this to like get my comeuppance on everybody. I, it's just like it was so fucking nuts, so nuts that it would make for an incredible show. But the Larry Sanders show, I look at that, and Judd Apatow, I know, is responsible for it as well as I can't recall Brad Gray, uh, and I go how and Gary Shandling, right. and I think it was kind of off of Johnny Carson and Ed McMahon. Oh yeah, there's you tons know. Of- little pieces of right it. it's influenced by all of that but growing up i didn't recognize the hank kingsley character was ed mcmahon because i still can't picture ed mcmahon really thought he could have sat where johnny sat but i guess that must have been the dynamic kingsley. you know and then chasing ass and everything. Kingsley. <laughs> Jeffrey i mean Jeff, that character but then you needed the rip torn character and it's just brilliant so then i'm trying to think like what dynamic do we play around with it and I'm just not good enough. Like I, I need I can write the book, so to speak. Right. And then give it to brilliant people like Judd yeah. Apatow. I mean that's how Tarantino writes is he writes a book and that makes it. And then get, okay, it. yeah. That that because it needs to be taken. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't want it to turn into uh Winona Ryder and uh Ben Stiller, second Stiller reference here on the program, son of Jerry, in Reality Bites. If you've seen Reality Bites, oh, yeah. so you know what reference I'm making, how they're right. like corporate it up and yeah. all of a sudden they destroy like the story. The right. story is is pure, pure evil at times and pure incompetence, but it is pure and right. it's, it can't be created. Like you can't create Ken Strode. No. You know, I couldn't have created Ken Strode like if I'm writing something from a fictitious standpoint. Right. But since I've interacted right. with Ken Strode, I just got to document Ken Strode. Right. It's a perfect, perfect. Oh, my God. You know, yeah. it's, it's like it's just perfect. <laughs> and you know, the Rip Torn kind of element is like the the main, like the person in management who's not at the top, but they have to deal with the talent and the back and forth that goes on with that. And, Are you honored that you're my Rip Torn? Yeah. You know, I, I, I embrace that. I embrace that. Um, I love Rip Torn. I think that. Jackson and I, for those not aware, which would be, I would imagine, everyone <laughs> outside of me and Jackson. We have some code words when, uh, when I need it. I need a little help. Yeah, yeah, and I, I it's, it, it does put a smile on my face whenever I see it. And <laughs> oh yeah, because I'll text when the bat signal goes out. <laughs> I get the smile on my face because it, it does remind me of Larry Sanders. And anytime I can think about Gary Shandling, it puts a smile on my face. What an absolute <laughs> mind we lost on that one. Oh, couldn't agree with you more on that. I mean, that show, that's a show that I'll probably hear within the next few weeks. Go, yeah, maybe it'll be like a holiday thing. It's perfect. Well, this. Start that thing up, and God, it just puts me in a great place. Oh, I do that with Curb Your Enthusiasm, too. Perfect. Have you seen Judd's documentary about... Oh, yeah, Gary absolutely. Yeah. The uh, Zen Diary or something? Yeah, some, of yeah, The yeah. Zen of Gary Shandling or and something it, like and that? And how many people he influenced. Oh, yeah. And, and how many people Judd influenced, so, like, it's the George, you know, it's the coaching tree kind right, of thing. Right, 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 right. And it's just incredible. No, it's, like, if you want to, like, look at who's shaped comedy over the past 30 years, you look right towards Gary Shandling. I do feel... 
And this isn't like an Iggy thing with the book, and I'm not trying to like, I, my book shall be better. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm saying. I like, I just, I can't picture him sitting down and writing just because I can't picture him doing it, right. which I would imagine most of you who listen to TMA are listening to this and go, yeah, you would agree. And it's not a shot. If anything, I, I am so, I always have to have something, you know, I always have to have something going on. And in a way, it would be a shame if the stories aren't told because we lived them, though those of us who have been on the show, and obviously there have been different producers and hosts, but not that many considering the length of time it's been on. But I, but the tough thing is it can come across as like taking shots. And in reality, it's just like, this is, this is just what happened. I know it sounds fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. I would imagine people would dispute it, I guess, just cause you know, it would seem so fictitious and I wouldn't, it, it's just, you'll be amused. I think if anything, and you'll be sh- fucking stunned, yeah. stunned that this stuff went on. And yet here we've been at, at this place for nearly two years. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, there's John Kioski. He's yeah. a normal guy. Nothing, no chapters were how is, here. How is, the, <laughs> how is the client trip in the Mediterranean cruise? Yeah. Were things in Athens? Yeah. Oh, here's Tommy, you know. Yeah, Plowboy texted me at 9 o'clock, you know, about some idea. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Your fucking show, you guys. And then it just, I mean, that's just it, yeah, yeah. you know. It's just, you know, it, it's just like a normal thing, it, it, you know. And inevitably, I imagine, we'll exit. By we, I mean I, perhaps all of us, who knows. And they might have to whack me. It's just, But that's business. It's like, fuck this. We got to go have a fight and, you know, get right. you in Dan Caesar's column. You know, it's just it's fucking business. It's the way that it works. If I bring them money, I'm here. If I don't, I'm gone. That's business. That's the way the world works. It doesn't have to be a war. Um, with like a, like a bunch of juicy stories. I saw Ben Affleck. I don't know how this popped up in my TikTok, and I don't know where the interview was. Maybe you saw this since you are a cinephile, yes. although not a Ben Affleck fan, correct? Love him directing, not a fan of his acting. Okay. And he was talking about how much he hated fame. Mm-hmm. Now, to be crystal clear, I recognize our little drop of urine of local fame yeah. in comparison to being a guy who's won Oscars and has been globally famous for more than a quarter of a century. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about two different things, but as he was saying it, it struck me, and I can relate to this to the TMA thing, and he goes, the thing about, and I can't recall what it was, but I know he said something along the lines of people, especially with now, with social media, there is an expectation for their, they want, they think they're entitled to the story behind the story behind the story and the people behind the story behind the story behind the story. And almost all the time, it's just boring. Mm-hmm. The people are just, it's just, it's, it's disappointingly boring. Right. I feel like over the years, people have come to work with me at Inside STL in particular and just been like, God, this guy is like a live wire on the radio back when I was. And is just boring as fuck. What a letdown. What a true letdown. What an absolute letdown this is. But that's the thing. It's like, yeah. Like, God, I could post stuff on social media, but it'd just be of me and my wife and my kids at, like, Farmer's Market in Kirkwood or my son skating at 7 in the morning or, hey, we're going to give, you know, the wire another run and try to, you know, you know I mean, what it's, you know pizza night tonight yeah. think we're gonna go Dewey's I mean it's just consider me locked in <laughs> yeah it's just it's awful <laughs> I mean I, I personally at this moment right. love it right. if I were in my 20s I'd be like what the fuck am I doing sure. but I did do it it was there certainly there were plenty of interesting shit it's just not now mm-hmm. and there isn't really like a there isn't really like an exciting story so now that you're kind of on that side of it with regards to you know I don't know what take your pick of you know, what's Eli Drinkwitz really like? Or what's Ali Marmol really like? Or what's Craig Berube really like? Yeah, just fucking guys, you right. know, with That's jobs and have to deal with bullshit just like you do at work, except they're in the public eye. Yeah, there really isn't a big, I don't have to tell you, you know, I wanted to come over here because I wanted to keep the show together and I wanted everybody to get raises because I thought it was the right thing to do. If I was going to get more money, I felt like if everybody else needs to get more money. And then we do the show over here. That's it. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it, the, the thing took a long time because my contract's like a billion pages, not because of so much money, but because Inside ST owns the show, and so it's a unique agreement with intellectual property, but that's it. And then we got together at the end of November in 2021, me, you, and Iggy, and Doug, and said, all right, 
where do you want to go, KFNS or Hubbard? And then we voted, and it was that was that was it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not it was, really like an all the presidents uh, men yeah, kind of story. Yeah, I mean, it was you know meeting in a small room. Hey, you know, all right. <laughs> yeah, I had water. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know, it's not. There just isn't. But but you also know that sometimes that that's how conspiracy theories are born. If people say, well, that's that's it, and people, there's no way it's. Right. That's it. Sometimes trying to add context like furthers the, the, the theories. Right. And it's like, well, at a certain point, like when do you accept that what we're selling is the truth? Is the truth. Right. Now, at the same time, the thing is with the show for the first however many years, we have told you that there were some weird things. But the tough thing about it is, and there were, and they're, they're weirder than you could ever imagine. The thing is, on, just from a perspective of being straightforward, you know, if I were to, to tell full-on stories, they would be, I don't know, I guess embarrassing, certainly, to some people. Sure. Um, I know, certainly, some people wouldn't want some of these stories, which would help explain a lot of things, uh, to be out. But once you knew them, you'd go, oh, well, shit, you know. But then, inevitably, then, you know, who the stories are about will be fucking pissed and then probably launch something back. And, and it's, so it's just not anything I'm really interested so in a way i want to write it and like give it to my sons and say hey here when i'm gone here it is and right. now people you know but fuck who knows when that would be so because it is so fucking weird like i'm sure there's like for as much as you know i mean you know it's kind of like what i was talking about at the beginning of the podcast with parenting unless you went through it you couldn't possibly imagine like how fucking weird it was. I mean, it was weird. I mean, it was so weird in 2006, 2006, you were eight. Yeah. I remember saying to somebody or this person said to me, it might've been Martin. If we told people what was going on, they'd think we're making it up. And that was 2006 and shit was kind of like normal, <laughs> relatively it was crazy, but it wasn't like as crazy as it got. You know, it's like we like jinxed ourselves by saying, well, this is fucking nuts. And then somebody goes, wait till you see what the next 17 years have in store for you. So I think that would entertain people. And then if a, like a somebody could take the book, write a screenplay, and then they could have the next Larry Sanders. Yeah. You know, right. I really do. Uh, That's interesting. I do feel that. I do feel that way. All right, Jackson, it's uh, 1243 and it's time for us to shut it down. Uh, thank you to our sponsors who make it possible. And, uh, thank you to Action Jackson, uh, for sitting here during this nonsense. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, uh, Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling, and finally, Jamie Burkhard, Clayton Patterson, and Peter Munganess of Munganess St. Louis Acura, and Munganess Burkhard, Alton Toyota. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been QFTA on the Tim McKernan Show podcast.